The world of digital marketing moves at a dizzying speed. Strategies, budgets, tactics, buzzwords. How can we even begin to distinguish the signal from the noise, the good moves from the bad? Take it from the team that's tripped as much as we've triumphed. We're putting our best moves in the spotlight and spilling every secret to give you step-by-step -step instructions to steal for your own success and digitally scale your business. This is Marketing Moves. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Moves. I'm Madison Rydell, Chief Revenue Officer of Vividfront, and today I'm joined by a guest with specialized expertise in a very critical area for business growth. Dana Allender is a consultant and advisor for high growth potential companies, focusing on helping businesses solve problems and drive revenue. In addition to running his own sales consulting firm, Sun, he serves as an entrepreneur in residence to Jumpstart, a Cleveland-based venture development organization and one of Vividfront's favorite strategic partners. Like many entrepreneurs, Dana has zigged and zagged throughout his career with a personal mantra to commit to the relentless pursuit of awesome. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, appreciate it. Awesome, um, we're so excited to have Dana for all the accolades that I just listed and we'll get into all of them. I know that there's a ton of lessons that our listeners can learn from you, so I don't want to uh, belabor too much of an intro so that we can just dig right into the meat. Let's just start with your story. Can you talk us through your personal and professional path and what got you to this current state where you are working for Jumpstart as an entrepreneur in residence and also running your own consulting business, Sun? Great. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. Um, so I'm, I'm born and bred in, in Ohio, Northeast Ohio. Um, have been in the Cleveland area for a little over 20 years now. Um, married with family and, and kids and, and um, you know, all of that, which is great. Um, my professionally a B2B enterprise sales background. So um, I had been in that that space for about 20 years and um, had the life changes going on with uh, recently getting married, uh, you know, young child, new house, you know, should we do an addition? And, you know, maybe I should quit my job and do something different. And uh, uh, honestly, I, I may have actually just gotten another job in another industry. But uh, you know, at that time when HR people are looking for new talent, um, they were looking to check a lot of boxes. You know, 10 years of experience in an industry, you know, $8 million book of business, you're a super happy employee. And, um, and you know, I didn't fit that category in, in another industry. So uh, I decided I was going to start my own thing. Um, you know, I didn't know exactly what that was going to mean, but I did feel as though that I could maybe help uh, small businesses and eventually leading to startups. Um, help grow their business. So I, I didn't want to really do sales for them per se, but in the uh, enterprise work that I had done previously, um, I was the first salesperson and you know I walked into it and I realized there weren't a lot of uh, tools and processes and things in place you know for me and so I had to build a lot of that out. And you know I didn't know it at the time, but then 20 years later that served me pretty well. Awesome. So backpedaling a little bit because sure. there's a lot that you sorry. just went through. Yeah. That, no, that's sorry. perfect. That's... We're we're heading down a perfect path here. So. What was the last role that you had before you went kind of down this entrepreneurial road? The last role? Oh, um, so I was doing B2B enterprise sales, selling specifically uh, contact center services. So uh, selling into like an AT&T or a Nike or an Omaha Steaks, um, you know, selling products, um, taking inbound phone calls, doing customer support. So 
Um, you know, I would generally working with like a head of operations, uh, maybe a head of sales, head of customer uh, customer success or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. And for our listeners who might be, maybe they're in a similar situation right now, maybe they're in a sales role and they're thinking about what's next for me. Um, What was the turning point where you said, hey, I've learned enough from this role and I'm ready to try something new? And I think you alluded to a little bit that you kind of had some chaos going on in your life at the same time, some changes. Yeah, you know, I think, and, and, you know, I thought we might talk about this a little bit more (laughs) later, but it's just, I think that uh, salespeople that are good, um, have an entrepreneurial spirit by themselves. Um, they're problem solvers, and you know they like to try to figure out how to get things done. And so I think I was probably entrepreneurial before you I realized was entrepreneurial. It? Yeah. yeah, but I think that's often the case with you know with a lot of people. And was there anything with this specific role or even roles prior to that um, that prepared you for the entrepreneurial venture, other than just specializing in sales? Uh, you know, Any that, turning points? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think a lot of times. Um, with many small businesses and startups, uh, you have to do a lot of things. You know, you have to roll up your sleeves and, and just get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in that role, um, you know, I played a customer success role. You know, I played project management role. Uh, I played, you know, business development, you know, lead generation, you know, closing sales. You know, you, you were doing all those pieces, parts along the way. And uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, looking back, again, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, having some of those things documented and some sort of organized process mm-hmm. uh, or organized way, uh, you know, would, would have been super helpful to me. And do you think that there's one tried and true? Like, do you prescribe or subscribe to one method for that organization of sales processes? Yeah. Um, you know, from a, so, you know, I read a lot of books and listen to, you know, a lot of people. Uh, I think the thing that clicked with me uh, was uh, Sandler, uh, Sandler sales training. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a lot of those things I'd heard before, but I think what it really anchored me into is process. You know, there's there's a process always happening, mm-hmm. you know, and we're always, you know, selling something. So, um, you know, you're following someone else's process or you're following yours. And I think that once I realized that I had a little bit more control over that process, um, you know, it, it, made, it made the sales role uh, a lot more gratifying. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think um, we'll probably circle back to the process okay. piece a little bit because I know that you help other organizations now sure. implement their own version of processes. Um, stepping out of the professional light a little bit to your personal life. So around what time was this entrepreneurial decision happening? Um, I know that you mentioned renovations, right. recently married, new right. children. So right. cast a little bit of a picture if you can transport our listeners back in time yeah. to when you're making this decision. Yeah. So uh, you're not getting into ages and things like that necessarily, <laughs> but got, got married a little later. Uh-huh. So, you know, married in 2009, uh, first child in 2012. Second child in 2013. We bought a house in 2012. I should have put that in chronological order. And then uh, I quit my job. Um, you know, I'm not sure everybody should hear this. I'll say it anyhow. Um, we wanted <laughs> to do an addition to the home. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I realized, you know, they probably won't, you know, look, you know, great upon this new Sun Consulting Company, you know, <laughs> that's starting out that wants to do this renovation. So um, the day that we closed, our, our renovation, uh, I quit my job of about 20 years. So it was either um, sink or swim, and I knew I had a couple of months to figure it out. So um, it, it brought a lot of clarity yeah. you know, to that process. Yeah, I think um, I know 
you know, choosing to share that or not share that right. can be a little bit of a tricky situation. <laughs> but I think that the bank loans have all been paid. Uh, perfect. Yeah, so we're good. Uh, we're still living there. We're so. right by the law. Yeah, folks. yeah, yeah. We're no good. concerns we're good. here. We're good. Um, but I, I do think that it's a lot of people in similar positions have that fear of when's the right time. Right. And I think most entrepreneurs would tell you there's no right time. Right. So it sounds like you were up against that similar challenge of, am I gonna continue in this role that's comfortable, that probably puts food on the table, that I'm good at, and maybe is easier, getting easier because right. of the process, or am I gonna take a risk? Right, um, you know, I could, I have a lot of quotes, a lot of things that, um, you know, as I'm sitting here even now talking to you or working out, you know, earlier today, that I think of, but you know, fortune favors the bold, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no, no, I love that play, one. Yeah, I'm playing small, you know, so, you know, either you're in or you're out, and that's okay. But um, if you're in, you know, get in. And then, you know, we pivot, right? And, and right. You know, small business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, certainly understand that. Cool. That makes perfect sense. What, um, so you left, you started your own business with Sun. And at what point did you start joining the Jumpstart team? What's the timeline there? Yeah, so you know, I quit my job. I didn't have a client either, by the way. Um, but I got one the next week, and they, they wow, there you go. Yeah, they wrote me. I was super excited about that. Um, it happened to be a company that did work in the energy space. Um, you know, Sun has nothing to do with energy. I think you and I <laughs> talked about that when we last met. Uh, it has to do with the Beatles, you yep. know, and here comes the Suns. For those who know, if not, I'm guessing everyone does. But if not, go go take a listen. You don't um, want to sing it for us? No, no, no. I've got other <laughs> songs I would sing, you know, another time. But um, but no. So in any case, I started. Um, I, I thought I was just going to work with small businesses and startups. You know, I had family. You know, a very young family at that time. Wanted to stay local, um, so I was looking for you know local companies. So that one happened to be in Dallas, but I had known them for a while. Um, I worked, I think the next job I had or gig I had was a manufacturing company. Um, and ironically, you know, I went out of my way to make something that had been my weakness w- earlier on when I was looking for another role that I didn't have industry experience. Um, I, I made that a strength of mine. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm industry agnostic. And, and what I used to tell people uh, when I was talking to them, and I don't know if I believed this actually at the time or if I it just, I said it to make myself feel Spoken better. Spoken into existence. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But, you know, if you can't train me on what it is you do in 30 to 45 days, you've got bigger problems than sales. Ooh, I love that. And um, so people seem to say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so, you know, I worked in several different industries. Ironically, I got called by a recruiter um, who I had had some challenges with early on about these industry, you know, needs that, you know, that uh, their clients had and uh, was asked if I wanted to participate in uh, a bike share program uh, to be the general manager here in Ohio and Michigan. Um, because of some, you know, somehow they had found out that I had done work with an energy company and thought there may be some synergies between sustainability and, mm-hmm. and my work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually took a role with them, uh, a full-time role, uh, working with the first bike share that was here in Cleveland. Uh, this was probably back in 2015, 2016. And uh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was my first exposure to uh, venture-backed you know, tech companies. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought bikes. I, I didn't really understand you know, the smart mobility tech side of it. Um, and I got to wear t-shirts and drink cold brew and ride bicycles. <laughs> and so that was all, all pretty cool too. So I was working in here in Cleveland and Detroit. Those were the two municipalities that I was focused on. And then other parts of the state, um, like Ohio state, um, who happened to become a customer soon thereafter. Yeah. But, and yeah. they're still a customer, right? And they still are. Yeah. So, so, and then I left after about a year, uh, doing that. And I thought, man, you know, startup life is pretty cool. You know, I don't know a lot about the venture side of it yet, but, you know, I, I enjoy this because they're growth minded and, you know, it's interesting. 
you know, when I first started doing this work, I assumed everybody wanted to grow. Mm-hmm. I, I assumed every small business wanted to grow, and they they would even tell you, "Yeah, we want to grow." But then when you ask them, like, "What you know are they doing, or what have they done to try to do that?" You find out they really don't want to because the level of effort, you know, isn't there. So, um, in any case, this happens. So you need to, <laughs> to reel me in because you know I will start. No, I love about this. No. All kind of things. But um, yeah, so I wanted to stay in that space, and so I, I actually uh, reached out to FinTech that a friend of mine referred me to in Ann Arbor that had raised uh, a Series A round, and uh, worked with them for about a year. Um, it was great. I mean, fantastic learning experience. You know, we're calling on all the big banks all over the globe, and uh, I was working primarily with them in a uh, kind of a you know entry level business development sales role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was employee, uh, and I actually joined them as a W two, um, you know, for various reasons. Uh, but I think I was employee number 19, um, and I was only the second person that didn't have a technical background. Wow. So, yeah, I did that, and it was great, and spent uh, their Series A with them and Series B. Um, I left and then came back for their Series B raise that they had um, raised money with Drive Capital and Insight Partners out of New York. And um, and that's when I really got into the kind of the go-to-market. So I, I, I kind of had more of a leadership role working with the various partners, uh, you know, within the business, the marketing teams, the mm-hmm. customer success teams, the product teams. Um, so yeah, so that's that, and that, and that's oh, going back Brought to the question, uh-huh. how did I get involved with JumpStart? So uh, in my business development outreach roles, I was attending different conferences, joining you know accelerators um, to be a mentor, just because I had business background, uh, and I, I met some folks at Jobs Ohio, and I met Ray Leach. Uh, at that accelerator in Columbus, it was FinTech 71. And he said, oh, you're mentoring here. He goes, why aren't you mentoring in Cleveland? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know anybody in Cleveland. And so he, he was kind enough to introduce me to the team and uh, I'd mentored there. Uh, I, technically, I guess I still am a mentor and have been with them for about seven years, um, leading to this EIR role that I, I joined them with, uh, I guess it would have been two years ago now. And for those who aren't familiar with Jumpstart and aren't local to Cleveland, can you give uh, a brief overview of what Jumpstart does and what an EIR does at Jumpstart? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, Jumpstart, and I have a little bit of economic development DNA, but I, I won't get into all of that uh, today. I mentioned Jobs Ohio earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jumpstart is a unique organization. It's a venture development organization. So it's not a strictly a venture capital organization or an economic development organization, but it's kind of a hybrid mm-hmm. between those two. Um, you know, with support through the state, going out and delivering services to startups and small businesses here in the region. Um, an entrepreneur in residence, uh, they're not one, they're not one flavor uh, of, of an entrepreneur in residence. But in my role there, you know, I work with companies that uh, are primarily in the tech space um, who, you know, has been identified that maybe there's a there there. And so what do we need to, to do to put the, the resources around them to help them go out and raise venture money, early, early very early money. Um, so yeah. And your role is consultative with those, yeah. those brands and you work with kind of a handful at a time or one or two? Yeah. So I work through my work with Jumpstart. Um, and again, I started working with them. So I, my, my work, I spend time working with the Jumpstart clients. I also have clients outside of there that I work with still their son. Um, but the Jumpstart clients, uh, that I work with, there's probably a half a dozen at, at any given time that there's some sort of depth to mm-hmm. the work that we're doing. I, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs though outside of that. And uh, one of the hardest things to do is, um, you know, I don't like to let go, you know. So, you know, I've met somebody two years ago, three years ago as an entrepreneur. We still stay in touch whether or not I'm, I'm working with them or not. You know, yeah, directly. I think that's a huge. And there's, again, so many things that I want to talk to you about, but a huge 
thing that you've described to me and I've experienced in knowing you for a short amount of time is your prioritization around relationships and yeah. communication. You talked about meeting Ray Leach, head of Jumpstart, at an event that you went to, and you've talked to me a lot about your dedication to events and figuring right. out one particular group or organization to get involved with. So how does that relate to your your overall approach? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, it's personal. So, I mean, that's just me. I want to be involved in the community. You know, I, I loved being part of the bike share program because mm -hmm. I was working with the county. I was working with the councilman. I was working with, you know, uh, Brian Zimmerman, who part, you know, who leads the uh, Metro Parks. I was working with Councilman Simperman, who's now over at Global Cleveland. Um, so it, it was fantastic. So I, I loved being part of what was going on and also you know, trying to play a small role in, in, in making uh, making that different, uh, making a difference there. Uh, professionally, I don't think that, you know, everything, this is my opinion, uh, you know, everything is a commodity. You know, what we're doing today is a commodity. Um, the people that we may do business with already know more about us than we probably know about them mm -hmm. by the time we speak. And so, you know, what's what's the, the difference, you know, what's the differentiator? Is, is the relationships. And I think that small businesses and, and certainly startups have to spend more time on relationships and you build those relationships by being part of a community. So I wanna know where uh, the thought leaders are. I wanna know where the influencers are. are. I wanna know where the innovators are um, so I can go out and, and just be among them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so I can earn the right, uh, you know, to have those types of conversations, so. And I think you explained to me, we had lunch recently that there was one particular group in the HR space that you just decided, hey, I'm gonna go to every event and I'm right. gonna dedicate time to it. And I think that that's a good approach because I shared with you vulnerably that I'm also a sales leader, right, of a right. growing organization. And over the years, I have felt the pressure of if I'm not going to enough networking events or right. traveling enough to visit clients, am I doing enough? And even if we're crushing our revenue goals, something right. inside you as a salesperson, we're competitive by nature, we want to hit milestones, says that you need to be everywhere at once. Right. And I do think that younger sales professionals struggle to decide, is this worth my time? Or if I do spend the time on it, which right. is both my time and the company's time, which costs money, and I come back without a client or a business card, right. did was that time wasted? Right. So what do you think about that? Well, starting with the last thing you said, I mean, I try not to be transactional, yeah. so I don't need a business card at this event, you know, to say it was a good thing or a bad thing. If we have a happy hour that we sponsor, you know, uh, next week and 50 people show up, and I don't, I don't have a new client at the end of that, it wasn't not a waste of time for me. I think again, it's part of being, uh, you know, part of a community and building those relationships. Um, I don't know that we talked about this, but I played basketball, mm -hmm. and I still like to play, and, and I coach a little bit, which you, I know you know that. Um, you know, when I was when I was younger and competing, you know, in school, um, you know, I guess I had my own version of my own vision board, uh, but I knew who my competitors were, mm -hmm. and I had pictures of them on the wall. Oh wow! And you know, every time I didn't feel like doing something with their picture on the wall, I had uh, I had written, "What are they doing right now?" And wow. so I'm like, well, you know, I don't feel like doing this right now, but you know, what are they doing? So I need to go, I need mm -hmm. to be there, I need to be present. And I, I guess I would say for a sales professional, you, you've got to, it's, it's important, you've got to carve out the time, you've got to be there. Um, that, I don't think there's anything, you can't substitute just that being in person, being present, um, being vulnerable. I, I love that you said that word. Uh, that was, you know, if, I, if we get to the to point here at the uh, end of uh, our show, <laughs> and you know there were things you were, we were thinking. You know, being vulnerable is one of the things I would tell people to to, to do. Um, but you've got to go. And um, so the HR event that I was uh, referencing earlier, um, 
I, I didn't know when I started, I didn't know anything when I started my company, uh, <laughs> but I thought I'm just going to go join some things. And I'm, and I'm a habitual joiner. I, I have a lot of memberships. So if you ever are thinking of joining something, call me and ask me about it because <laughs> I probably am a member. Uh, but I wasn't always good, uh, you know, about showing up. And I said, this year, I'm going to do that. So, you know, once a week, once a month, I'm going to be at some event somewhere. For talk. this particular organization, Yeah, so right? for that organization, yeah. like once a month. If there's something going on, I'm going to be there. And so uh, they have an event. Uh, can I say there? Can I, I'm yeah, allowed yeah. to promote other organizations. Oh, please, yeah. right, so I'm a, I'm a promoter now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Cleveland Sherm, which is the HR group here uh, yeah. in Cleveland, I joined it 10 years ago when I, I quit my job because I thought, wow, you know, who would know? If companies are having tr struggles with sales, HR people, because they're always hiring and firing people. And I think I want to pause right there. Yeah, I think please. that that's such a creative, innovative approach to choosing an event, because I think kind of the easy way or maybe the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, I'll go to the sales event. Right. But we've all salespeople right. have gone to sales events and it's just a bunch of other salespeople. Right, right, right. Um, so if you think creatively about who the decision makers are and right. the stakeholders that actually want to get to know you not getting in front of your peers or learning thing about sales. And you can go to sales conferences right. to learn. Sure. But if you're going to network, yeah. go where the clients are. Well, I mean, that gets into sales, right? Yeah. It gets into, you know, who your, your targets are and your companies and the personas within those companies. Right. And, you know, trying to, to have a story for each of them. But uh, in any case, I said this year I'm going to go. And, and so there's an opportunity to speak uh, a few weeks ago. And so I s signed up on a Friday evening. I saw the submission. Um, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to submit. And, uh, the, you know, they were kind enough to select me. And I'm like, okay, I, I've got to speak. Uh, and it's a really cool format if anybody's ever done it. But it's uh, 15 slides, 20 seconds per slide, rapid fire. You've got you to get there pretty quickly. But in any case, I didn't know exactly what I was going to say or how I was going to say it. And I certainly hadn't presented that format enough. But I was there and I, I had the opportunity to to you know, stand up in front of 180 people for just not always easy. Yeah, for five minutes. And yeah. people think that salespeople by nature are outgoing and you know perfect presenters and all these things, and it's kind of expected. Yeah. But I think that presenting one on one in your probably 90% of your circumstances, where you're talking to a couple of stakeholders, presenting a concept, a proposal, an idea, it's very right. different than a right. room of people. It it certainly is. I mean, even um, even today. I mean, yeah. for there, uh, for that event, and and today, you know, I still I still get anxious right. beforehand. Um, but I've I've allowed myself to do that and say, hey, I, I'm anxious because I care, you know. And I've heard other people say that because at the point in time you show up, and you and you don't care and you're not anxious, you know, then maybe you shouldn't be showing up anymore. Right. And so. you've been in the space for decades. So for those who are like, oh, I've been doing this for a couple of years, or I've been doing this for five years, and I'm anxious. Yeah, right. decades to go. Yeah, Buckle yeah. in. Decades and decades and decades now. I'm just joking. <laughs> I think there was one thing you shared specifically about Sherm, I believe, yeah. in one of the events you went to where you made someone feel more comfortable and they sent you a follow-up note. Can you tell that story? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. You know, we have, you know, life's about angles, right? There's always an angle. And, um, yeah, and I don't mean that like in some sort of manipulative way but we have to look for a different angle mm -hmm. because everybody's doing the same thing everybody's sequencing you know their email you know right. things, you know and that again this is another topic for another time but what you know how can we do something you know how can we do something different um so um what, what was <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the outtakes that's okay these are outtakes. <laughs> the question um so there was a woman who messaged oh, yes, you right yes, yeah the yeah so like before an event i mean linkedin you know i'm not promoting linkedin but it's all the data is there. You know, People you, need to you know, know how to use it. Yeah, yeah you, you got to know how to use it. So, um, you know, I joined an organization uh, 
Um, the organization, you know, has a membership roster. You know, when we join events, you know, we are able to see who's attending those events. And, you know, I sent a note. You know, just a, hey, nice LinkedIn note. Like, hey, I hope to see you on Tuesday at the event. And that's was, to everyone who you saw that was going to the event? Yeah, and there were probably 15 or 20 mm-hmm. um, there. And, again, it's not, you know, I don't have anything to sell them necessarily. I just, I'm going to show up at 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, with coffee. I, right. I just want to know who's there. And you just um, said, hey, I'm coming to the event. Yeah, Looking forward yeah. to it. I hope I see you there, you know. So, you know. No pitch, yeah, no ask. Yeah, for anybody doing LinkedIn, if you're sending like, you're, if you're talking about yourself, you're doing it wrong. But um, that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of other conversations. But we'll do a follow-up episode. Yeah. So, so yeah. And so I got there. And, you know, there's only 20 people there. So you recognize people like, hey, how are you doing? I mean, people look like they look like on LinkedIn for the most part. And, uh, you know, gave, you know, I hope I do anyways. Um, so I gave a wave and we sat and we talked about uh, DE&I, which, you know, is something that, that I care about. Other organizations care about um, within my day to day work. It, it's not a it's not a thing. But, you know, I want to support the community yeah. of people that I'm part of. And um, I got a really nice note, I mean, a call afterwards just saying that, you know, it was something that was really uh, valuable for her to have had someone reach out ahead of time. Um, First of all, because it's it's sales, you know, and right. and so it was just nice. And then to walk in front of a room, and especially coming out of COVID, then because a lot of people, you know, still today, you know, are still not a hundred percent comfortable being out. Yeah, um, we're out of practice. Yeah, and out yeah. of practice. And so she, you know, it was just a little nice message, and you know, I I've not forgotten that. But it was it was more impactful than I thought, right? Yeah, and I think what I personally took away when you shared it with me was that if you're somebody who again, is struggling to put yourself out there or you go to networking events and you kind of stand with your buddy in the corner and you find it hard to approach people. I think that's normal, even for the most experienced sales executives. I see CEOs of huge brands still struggle with this. Um, So I think that by, again, being vulnerable yourself, if you're nervous, reach out to somebody who is also 50% chance maybe that they're nervous too, maybe it's 60, 40. And by making them comfortable, you're going to make yourself more comfortable too. Absolutely. And I think that... um, you know, this goes to these little, you know, mantras that I have, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think if we offer help to people, Comes you know, back. and then, and ask for help yeah. when you need it. And so, you know, when I go to an event like that, you know, is there something I can do to help you? And if they're not, that's okay. 99 times out of 100, there's not, mm-hmm. but, you know, they know that it's available. And, and if I need help, I'll ask and, and that's okay. And, and they may or may not be able to help me. But I think, again, it kind of comes to, being authentic, being honest, being vulnerable, you know, you know, all those things that we talked about yeah, and empathy. a few weeks yeah. ago. I think, um, so, so far we've touched on kind of your entrepreneurial story and taking risks and knowing there's not a perfect time. We've talked about approaches to networking, get to know, get getting to know other people. Right. Um, and I think another thing that I'd like to touch on is something you said about everything being a commodity yeah. and trying not to be transactional. And you and I talked a little bit about how in a conversation, the company that you might be pitching to or who's looking for a vendor, let's use our agency as an example. If we have somebody who's looking for a marketing firm or a web development firm and they come to us, they don't want to know the table stake stuff about how we develop websites right. or how we do marketing because every single marketing agency or web development firm they interview is likely offering that commodity service or something similar to it. So in those conversations, we have to prioritize trust right. and getting to know them so right. that we leave a lasting impression. Can you explain how you do that or how you advise companies on how to do that? Yeah, I, 
I think it's a lot of those things we talked about before, right? Being authentic. Um, you know, when we make a mistake and we forget what the question is, just mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, what was the question again? <laughs> we won't cut it off yeah, then. Yeah. So, um, so those are, you know, that's, that's super important. But I think it goes back to what I said at the very beginning. I told you uh, last week I eventually get back to the beginning. Yeah. But it, can I solve a problem for you? Like, I don't, I don't know enough about somebody who calls me to say what I would do for them. So I need to take the time. And a lot of times, you know, and, and maybe I'm not the right fit for them, and that's okay, too. Um, if I have an entrepreneur, and I'll, I'll kind of use, my, you know, myself as an example because I'm not, sure, you know, I, I'm not intimately uh, yeah, yeah. involved with, like, your assessment, how you, you kind of view things. But if I'm talking to an, an entrepreneur and they won't take the time to really tell me what it is they're doing, and usually it takes a few sessions, mm-hmm. and that's okay because, you know, no two journeys are the same, and people, you know, I, you know, I think one of the, the things that I have to do is try to meet people where they're at. Right. Um, but eventually I need you to share some things with me and, and you know, then take a little bit of feedback. Um, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I think we talked about that too. You know, I, I think that, you know, asking a lot of questions and, and not taking that answer at face value and asking another question. Um, you know, yes, I, I, that's conversation, right? Yeah. Like if you get into a pitch and you view it as a pitch and you bring up your slide deck and you're like, I have a 30 minute time slot and I'm gonna do my usual routine of pull up my deck and I'm gonna talk about everything that my firm does great. Right. You're not gonna win. And, right. and maybe you will a handful of times, but if you want to be able to predictively win and come up with your own approach to succeeding when it comes to pitching or coming up with a new idea or whatever, I think it is all about asking questions. Right. Like for me in a 30 minute intro conversation, 20 to 25 minutes is about them. Sure. I'm asking them questions about their business, doing the follow-up questions, like you said, to show that I'm engaged. And even if I don't have experience in their exact industry, I'm in rapid fire trying to draw connections between other things we do have experience in. Right. And demonstrating that, not by saying we have experience, but connecting it to follow-up questions. Right. No, that, that, is, that is awesome. Um, you said a, another word earlier, trust. Yeah. And... Um, I think I, I talked a little bit about the no like trust, um, you know, equation. Mm-hmm. And there was a coach, um, uh, it was an action coach that I had um, that talked to me about no like trust. And it wasn't like something I was intimately familiar with. I mean, I feel like I'm the, I learned a lot of these things just by failing and, yeah. you know, then, you know, figuring it out. Um, you know, but, you know, he was, it was kind enough. He said that, that I, I seem to get through the no like trust continuum, you know, fairly quickly. Um, and, and so you have to give people the opportunity to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they get to know you when you engage with them, as you said. Um, I think I, I um, had mentioned a story. Uh, this was in my contact center sales days as I was you know, learning Sandler and, and going through sales concepts. My good friend, Keith Strauss, who, who owns the company, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever told him this story, but. Um, Send him I, the episode. I, yeah, <laughs> I will, I will. He'll be happy to hear, um, it, 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 he'll, he'll be happy to hear that I'm still promoting him. I, I'm not on <laughs> payroll though. Um, but it, you know, it changed my life. It, it really did. But uh, so I came out of one of the sessions, and it was about asking questions. And I always felt like I did okay with it. But um, I I had an opportunity to pitch like to some big brand. Um, it was to get an RFP. It wasn't even for. It wasn't even to win the business. It was just to get the RFP mm-hmm. to do it. Those and, are fun. Yeah. And so we got on a call. I knew we weren't winning this. You know, full disclosure. But I got a colleague of mine. I'm like, hey, sit in on this call. I'm going to see how long I can go without answering one question about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got on the call, 45 minutes in, they'd say, well, we're looking for this. Why are you looking for that? 
well, because we did this. Uh, did, have you done that before? I mean, it went on for 45 minutes. Wow. The, the last thing they said was, man, this has really been a great call. Um, I feel like I don't know a ton about you, uh, so I'm looking forward to sending you the RFP. I didn't say anything. I wow. said nothing about us because the thing is, you know, we have to take the time to get to know people. Um, they, they will eventually like us, hopefully, you know, right. and then, you know, that's how we earn their trust, you know, and earn that opportunity. So I agree with that formula. First meeting is all about them getting right. to know them, asking questions, and then they will have that interest in learning more about you to come back so that you can right. submit the proposal, which is where you pull out all the stops. Right. Like you show your expertise, you show examples, references, whatever. But I, I think that formula works. Yeah. We follow that approach. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was fun even though I knew I wasn't getting the business, so. <laughs> Sometimes I think that when we don't think we're gonna win the opportunity, we get more creative with our approach, sure. and then we start to use that with other clients because we're like, we have nothing right. to lose, right. let's just go for it. And some of our best pitches that have informed our sales approach as an organization have been the ones where we thought we wouldn't win. Sometimes right. we do win. Because you're being different. Right. Cheaper, cheaper, better is not, not the path. Agreed. So, so let's kind of talk about common challenges you're seeing with startups to mid-market brands. The majority of our clients are in that middle market space, though we have clients from the startup spectrum all the way through Fortune 1000 brands. But let's yeah. stick to that kind of startup middle category relevant to your experience. What are some common challenges you're seeing or mistakes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it comes, we got, we got to talk to customers. We, mm -hmm. got, we, we have to talk to progress, uh, prospective customers. Uh, we have to talk to current customers. There are a lot of small businesses that I work with that I ask them, you know, after we, you know, look at sales forecasts or who some of their major clients are, um, you know, I ask, so, so when was the last time you had a, a quarterly business review or something, call it whatever you want to. Mm -hmm. Like, well, we, we don't do that. And, you know, so-and-so manages, you know, that relationship. That's a problem uh, because I guarantee your competitor is having a quarterly touch, uh, you know, touch point with them. Um, you can't do it with every customer. Maybe you can, depending on your business, but you've got to figure out who those customers are that you, you need to go and be getting feedback because it, it, it's not only important for you and the relationship, but you can also learn what else is going on in the industry from a competitive perspective because mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll say, hey, so-and-so is talking about this. Is this something that you guys can do? Um, from a, um, you know, staying on the customer lane, and I think that when I talked to you before, I really try to focus on the customer discovery, engagement, acquisition, success continuum. Mm -hmm. um, but discovery, like going out and talking to people, like what are the problems that they have that they're trying to solve for? I think a lot of times, um, maybe small businesses that are early um, and certainly startups, you know, sometimes we're, we're a solution looking for a problem. Yes. And um, I think that there's a lot of that. And I think that you need to go talk to people um, to figure out you know, is there really a problem here? I think I talked to you about this before. You know, what is the, what is the problem that you're trying to solve for? Um, who said it's a problem? Is it you? Is it the guy that lives next door? Right. Or, you know, are you, are you an SME? Um, has, have you quantified what that problem is? Uh, and has someone said that, hey, you know what, I would pay, you know, to fix that problem if and there I was think a solution? The last thing that you said really stuck out to me too on if you come up with a solution and you go to your current clients or prospective clients and say, hey, would you buy this? And they say no, then don't spend any right, more time right, and energy right, on that solution. Right. Yeah. Well, and then what you could also do is as you're doing this discovery with, with new and, and, and current customers, if you have them, um, is be taking that feedback and then take it to a current customer and say, hey, we're hearing this is a problem. Right. How are you attempting to solve for this? Is it something that we could iterate on um, and, and bake into our service offering? 
or is it something that we should say no to? Because that's another thing too, right? We can't be all things to all people. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of great ideas. Uh, there was a, an event I was at here in Cleveland a few years ago. Um, and I think it was the guys at Cleveland Bagel that were talking about oh, how cool. they got started. Um, but I remember them saying, um, you know, learning to say no yeah. uh, was like one of the most important things they ever learned because there's a lot of great ideas out there, but it doesn't have to be my idea. Yep. And somebody else, you know, to stay focused. So. Yeah, I think a lot of small businesses, including us, like in that SMB range, struggle with pulling the right. reins and saying no. I think it's an art. And you also shared with me that you have worked, again, with both startups and kind of middle market brands, but you've gravitated towards startups for a particular reason. I think you shared with me that businesses that have been around for 10, 15, 20 years and still have a sales challenge probably still have a sales challenge right. for a reason. Right. So what's your, your perspective on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, my, my personal preference, um, and this doesn't, this, this is not meant to say that I, I wouldn't help or work with someone, but um, companies that I've worked with that have an existing sales team that, that have been in business for a few years, um, you know, sometimes they, they don't have a sales problem, they have an HR problem, mm-hmm. uh, and that needs, that needs to get resolved. Where I, I feel that, that I add the most impact or, or the, and the most value is that link between, hey, I'm the founder, I'm the owner, I'm doing all the activity, I'm sitting on calls, I'm sitting on calls that I probably can't afford to sit on, but I have to sit on them because we need it to, you know, to prove some, you know, some traction here. Um, to that first sales hire, um, if if you've already hired, I talk to a lot of small business owners, you know, they're like, hey, do you know a good sales guy, or you know, you know, do you know somebody? And I'm like, well, what what are you doing now? And they're like, oh, we've tried three or four people, and you know, that you know, they all suck, you know, and you know, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, you know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they do, you know, maybe they don't, I don't know, you know, maybe. Maybe there's something you could be doing better too, like in, you know. You Is know. that what you mean by an HR problem? Yeah, it, it's an HR problem because they they haven't taken the time to document the process. It's like right. I can't hire someone to do the job that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and nobody else has ever done this. So if, if no one in my company has ever sold before, I can't hire you as a salesperson and say, "Hey, go sell for me," because here's what typically happens: um, is that as a sales uh, as a business owner, I'm like, "Hey, I either want to step away." Or I want to I want to go faster. Mm-hmm. So either or, so they're like you know what I want to go hire the best salesperson I can find. So you go find the best salesperson from your competitor, and they you know it's great you know and you know they've got all kinds of you know customers. So they walk in day one. They're like so you know where you know what CRM do we use? Well, we don't have a CRM. You know the CRM is that filing cabinet that's got cobwebs over in the corner. Mm-hmm. True Spreadsheet. story. True story. That by the way the wow. cobwebs in the filing cabinet. <laughs> um, so I'm like, so sales material, pitch decks, you know, collateral. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Here, why don't you go do that? Like, uh, here's a little bit of a budget. Go get a marketing company. Um, you know, if you need somebody to, you know, answer the phone and do some lead generation, you know, you know, we'll give you a little bit of money to go do that. Right. Um, so now all of a sudden, you hired this this you know really great salesperson who's really good at sitting across the table and doing what we're doing. They are not. Uh, uh, procurement, you know, they're, they're focusing they're, yeah. on operations yeah. and not sales. Yeah. So, so six months in, they've went out. They're, they're doing a lot of things that they they didn't really want to do. Um, they're not making any money because they're not making commission. The owner's not happy because they're not selling anything. And she's so like, you know what, this isn't working. We're gonna have to let you go. And they do it over and over and over again. Um, there's a there's a there's a space. Um, and if anybody's read uh, founder sales, mm-hmm. um, there's a space in between that founder owner doing all the, the activity and, and being able to hire that first salesperson. 
um, that that's kind of where I, I like to live. That's where I, I live at. So yeah, as you're saying this, I can relate this to our own business where we our founder was the main sales resource in the organization right. for many, many years, at least a decade. And same approach, like we didn't have a CRM, we didn't have try and true processes, we had some really strong proposal templates right. and kind of go to one liners that he would use, but we didn't have infrastructure. And my role was to become a sponge and just understand everything that he did that worked. Right. And now as we approach a, a larger path forward where we're really growing our headcount, we're really growing our revenue, it's been a priority for us to build out a CRM and build out right. processes. And I think part of that for me was recognizing, finding that middle space, like you said, of what is needed, what needs to be documented, what tools and processes do we need to have in place versus what should we leave up to the salesperson? Because right. I do think the opposite is also true. If you have no infrastructure, your salesperson right. can't succeed. If you have too much infrastructure and put them on too tight of a leash, you remove that entrepreneurial creative component to selling. Right. And I think it's easy to come from a place of ego when you're in sales to say, nobody can sell like me. Right. And I've, I've gone through that where you have to let go of the vine and trust somebody else to build a proposal and present it. Right. And know that they might not say the exact same thing you would say, right. say or maybe they won't answer the question the way that you would answer right. it, but you have to let go of that vine. So I think there's stages to it. If you're a founder-led organization where the founder is doing all the selling, not only do you need to build the right infrastructure to bring somebody in, but you also need to identify where they have creative freedom to right. just develop their own sales approach. No, it's so funny that you're that you're uh, mentioning some of these things because I, I too, as, as a, I'm an entrepreneur also, right. and uh, I screwed a lot of things up. I'm trying to, I struggle with this. How do I do repeatable, scalable, you know, type things? Nobody can sell like me. I'm mm -hmm. the secret sauce. Yeah, you know, I can I can say all that, but can I can I put enough infrastructure in place that will allow somebody to bring their own uh, uh, skill set? Yeah, and it, and it's part art, part science. So there's no one there's no one way. Yeah, you know, to do things. Um, but in any case, yeah, I, I we could talk about that for a while. Yeah, so. I, I I like the art and science yeah. approach though. I think that there's certain things you have to say, right? right? Like. If you have, if you're a sales leader and you're trying to scale a team, if you have like three to five non-negotiables, this needs to be a part of your first conversation with a client, right. whether that's for legal reasons or you're trying to test the new approach or whatever, give them those reins, give them the tools if they want to use it. I never use our sales deck ever right. or one pagers ever. Sometimes it's follow-up materials, right. but somebody else might find their secret sauce is always pulling up the sales deck. Right. So I think, yeah, I think we're, we're in uh, alignment on that one. Um, cool. So before we move to kind of some closing topics, I do want to kind of bring us back to the premise of this podcast, which is marketing moves. What do you think the relationship between sales and marketing needs to look like? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, and, and this is really, you know, probably three or four years ago, um, you know, I was still figuring out for sure what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be when I grew up, mm -hmm. you know, with, with son. And, uh, you know, I I had the opportunity to really you know take a kind of a lead role in a, a go to market effort you know with one of the companies that I was doing work with, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I realized is you know the sales and and you know really more importantly the customer wasn't always you know in these meetings and in these strategy sessions. So you know we would have um, you know tech you know products saying oh you know the tech will do this and they'll do that. And you know the founders like that's great. You know, you know we're gonna you know we're gonna change the world and we're gonna do all these things. Mm -hmm. And customer success like yeah, we'll just figure it out. You know, you know when we get there. And 
marketing, you know, and I know that's what the, the you know, the focus of, of, of this podcast is. But focus like uh, marketing was like, yeah, we can create a website and we can do email campaigns and we can. And then, you know, I, I showed up and I'm like, was well, anybody, you know, said they'd pay for all this stuff? Like, who, who <laughs> right. now? And, um, and so it's really bringing the customer's voice to that. And That's it, the duty of sales, you're saying. It is. Yeah. It is. And I think it, it can't be an afterthought because I, I think a lot of times feeling is, well, we'll just create all this stuff and then we'll hand it to you and then you go sell it because, you, you know, you told me, you're, you know, you're really good at this. And I, I think that uh, sales and marketing, you know, the messaging, I mean, there's obviously different you know, skills and techniques and things. I mean, you guys post a lot of really cool things that I, you know, I comment on sometimes yeah. on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, but at the end of the day, the message should be the message, right? Yep. Um, and so when there's not alignment there, that's driven uh, by the customer, you know, solving a problem. Um, I think that's I think that's where you know it's super important that sales and marketing need to be, be yeah. aligned. Yeah, and I think to kind of like squeeze a recommendation out of all of that is for whether you're a marketing agency coming from our experience or you're an internal marketing team, I think it's really important to bridge that relationship with yeah. sales and to set the right expectations because we found on the agency side that if we work with a client where we don't have that direct communication with the sales team and the expectation from the client or the sales leader is that marketing is just gonna generate all these leads right, right for the picking, right. like that's not gonna end in right. a good good outcome. Right. We're not gonna have a case study from sure, that client. Right. So I think the, the best approach is to have sales and marketing in the same room, speaking the same message to your point, understanding we're not just building all of these creative assets and launching campaigns because they're creative right. and they look good or they meet best practices we need to first understand why we're selling the product and who we're selling it to right and like you said the sales team should know that best because they're talking to them every right. day right and, and i mean being aligned and you know if your goals are aligned right yeah like I, I you know i don't care how many opens or you know clicks or anything i mean that doesn't that's not going to go help me raise series a money right you know so those those are means to an end, and you know my job as a salesperson is to give you good feedback. You create the messaging. To me, you know, the my you know my commitment to you is to go and actually do my job. Yep. Um, you know, do proper discovery, uh, do proper follow up, um, and and bring things to you know to fruition. So, totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, cool. So. Before we close, okay. I wanted to share a fun fact with our listeners. Many of them run on or have heard of the entrepreneurial operating system. And EOS, we have an implementer locally here in Cleveland. It's an infrastructure we run our business on. A lot of jumpstart companies or startups also use this framework. And EOS recommends an assessment called the Colby Assessment. And the Colby Assessment is a test that measures the instinctive ways you take action. So unlike personality tests or IQ tests, the Colby measures your cognitive strengths. So it's a little bit of a different approach versus like an Enneagram test or an IQ test. And Dana and I, I we referenced a couple of times this episode, we just went out to lunch. And we recently discovered by coincidence that we have nearly identical Colby results. Scary, <laughs> With, identical. Scary, identical, like down to the number. Right. Um, which I've never seen with any other colleague. Like there's some colleagues where you'll be similar and you'll kind of share, you know, contrasts and what's similar and what's not. But ours was basically identical. And the most prominent part of our results, both of us being sales leaders and in entrepreneurial roles, our primary strength was high quick start. So if you look up the Colby assessment, there's four different components to it. There's fact finding, follow through, quick start and implementing. And we both have very high quick start, eight or nine out of 10. 
which is typical of entrepreneurs and visionaries and those who like to take risks. Um, high quick starts have a high sense of urgency, low likelihood to practice or thoroughly prepare before things. They like hey, to. Hey, I, 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 I you got notes. You know. <laughs> so, he might no, not be a real quick start. Um, they also are likely to negotiate for shortcuts or more efficient ways to do things. They seek to innovate and they thrive in a competitive atmosphere. Cue your high school board with your competitors. Right. Um, so Dana, how do these quick start traits, for anyone who is interested in Colby or has taken it themselves, how do those traits or tendencies translate to your success or your challenges? Uh, I mean, I quit my job. You right. Know? So <laughs> you know, I quit a, a, a very well paying job that I had a lot of security in and, you know, um, you know, two kids, you know, married a house and a big hole in the backyard, you know, brought clarity to that. But, um, you know, I, I think that the, uh, it, it was funny. So I have a client that uh, was going through EOS and that's, that's where I really got introduced to it. And then I think you and I have a, mm -hmm. a shared colleague, uh, that works with EOS or, or a shared uh, business partner. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, I think it's, you know, you've got to get things done. Um, you know, we don't have time. You know, entrepreneurs don't have time to overthink things. I think that uh, one of the things I told you when we had lunch the other day is uh, it's easier to act your way into thinking the right way than to think your way into acting the right way. Love that one. And and it's something that I, I heard a few weeks ago. I, I can't even remember where I, I heard it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it and then you know we'll figure it out and i think that if you um, are okay with being wrong and failing and um, one of the things i would tell all small business owners and entrepreneurs that if you're talking to somebody and they just want to talk about everything they did well and they have no failures uh, they're not telling you the truth um, mm -hmm. because they're not doing it right you know if you haven't if you haven't tried and screwed it up you know they're not trying so um but it, yeah, it, it was fascinating to, to see the scores. And I, yeah. as I said, when you uh, showed me yours, I thought you were, you were looking at my, you know, at my email, so. <laughs> yeah, I think too, to piggyback off of what you said about kind of like harnessing the strengths of Quick Start, I think that it's also cool and important to understand the setbacks. And, you know, some that I rattled off, and maybe you follow this or not, but like I'm a low prep person. I don't like to rehearse before things. I don't like to have scripts. I don't like to overthink before I walk into a meeting. I'm just better when I listen and react. Right. Um, however, that's not the right recipe for every circumstance. Right. So I think it's also important to recognize if those are your weaknesses as part of your Colby assessment, or just if you think this about yourself and you haven't taken the assessment, and either come up with a plan to combat those things or I think most importantly, surround yourself with people who have different Colby assessments right. or different strengths and weaknesses. And our own internal leadership team, we've all taken it. We have next level leaders that are actually going to um, a one-on-one -on -one session with a colleague we have that's mutual. Would love to introduce any listeners if you're local to Cleveland and you want to have a coaching session on the Colby assessment. Um, but we're all very different. Like some of us have truly opposite, you and I are identical, some right. have truly right. opposite. Uh, Colby assessments. So I think if you're someone who's high quick start, you probably need to be surrounded by somebody who has high follow through right. and somebody who is process oriented and is going to make sure while you're off there quick starting and doing crazy things and coming up with ideas, someone's there to hold you down to earth and say, we can't just go and do these right. crazy things every single day. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. And uh, you know, I made the joke about me uh, having notes. I mean, I did write things down. I, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at them. <laughs> right. But um, I think one of the things that we, you know, whether it's a shared trait or it's a trait, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, hopefully I can take a look at things and understand and, and recall it if I need it. So, yeah. in any case, 
And I think that's that's important for sales. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. So rounding us out here, Dana, I think that you, something I find fascinating about you is your sponge-like ability to memorize quotes and people and things. So why don't you leave us with one or two of your favorite quotes or concepts? Um, you know, one of the things that I've been sharing a lot with founders uh, the last few months is I, I just went through VC University mm-hmm. uh, and, and thanks to my colleague to Jumpstart for supporting me. Going through that, I, I thought it was super important for me to, to you know, have a, at least a working knowledge since I haven't gone through the fundraising side of it myself. But one of the uh, VCs said, um, and I, I this, it's one thing, I remembered a lot of things, but this is the one thing I really remember from it. Um, we should, we should uh, narrow our focus to broaden our appeal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of startups, when they come in, they want to kind of throw up everything that they know that they can do. Yeah. I, di- I did the exact same thing when Us I quit too. my job. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the person I was talking to said, hey, listen, you know, there's a million things you can do. You're jack of all trades. So am I, you know, whoop de doo Like, tell me the one thing that you're going to fix for me. And I think that uh, as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, you know, I think that it's super important to uh, to, to know that. So um, I don't coach effort either, by the way, you know, so do the work, um, you know, be coachable. Uh, one of the things I like to ask a lot is uh, not are you coachable because people will always say yes. Uh, but, you know. If you've talked to 100 customers, tell me what you've learned that you were wrong about. Oh, and, I love that. And, and if they can't tell me something they were wrong about, they, they may not have talked to enough customers. So, Or maybe they didn't talk to any. But Great. I love that temperature check. I might yeah, use that one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dana, so much for joining us. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you if they're interested in working with you and working with your consultancy? Maybe they have some growth challenges or some sales leaders that could use your help. Where do they reach you? Yeah, well, I'm going to be working on an exciting new website uh, called <laughs> sungrowsyou.com. That's sun as in the sunshine grows you.com. Um, you can reach me at Dana, uh, Dana at sungrowsyou.com uh, and Dana.allender at jumpstartinc.org. Uh, those are all super accessible. Or find me on LinkedIn because I'm super accessible there as well. Awesome. And I just want to round out our episode, um, shouting out our partner, Jumpstart. We talked a lot about them on our episode. They're a strategic partner of ours here at Vividfront. So we get to work with a lot of their startup clients that have challenges that are unique that we can help them solve. And they've been great to us here in the Cleveland community. So we just wanted to shout them out and say thank you for bringing the relationship with Dana to us. Um, We hope to, to share Dana's skills with some of our clients or with our own team in the future. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Now it's time to start making moves. Head to vividfront.com slash marketing moves for exclusive marketing materials. Every episode, we add more of our greatest insider secrets to help you move towards success. See you next time.